Titus, the book of Titus, pastoral epistle. Uh, Titus chapter 1. Uh, we'll be looking at one verse here. We're going to be doing a lot of jumping around today. So I know that you're tired from staying up all last night, uh, but we got a lot to do this morning. So get your fingers ready. Uh, you'll be racing through that Bible. Uh, well, it's even uh, maybe a little thing for Lylan to try to keep up. I, I don't know if you can, brother. There's a lot of passages. Well, Titus chapter 1. Uh, we'll be looking at verse 9. We'll read and we'll pray. And then we will study it together. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Let's pray. God, I pray that you'd be with us now as we read your word, as we study it together, Lord, that you would bless uh, this time, that you would help us all to focus as we look forward to the future and what you're going to do in our church, I pray that you would rally us together through your word, uh, that we would understand uh, these ideas for our vision, our biblical truths that we need to be doing, uh, that we need to be about. Uh, I pray that you would be with us now, Lord. I pray even for myself that you'd be with me physically. And uh, Lord, we pray that your truth would be taught this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Like I said, today is Vision Sunday. It is a big day for us at Fairmont. Uh, some, some have asked, uh, what, what do you mean vision? What, what does that mean? Uh, you know, is it talking about you know, how you need glasses? What are you, what are you talking about? Uh, if you look in your bulletin, uh, you, of course we do have the, the outline on the back for you to fill in as we go along. But I also want to point out uh, right here this little quote on the inside. Uh, this is from Dr. Al Aubrey Malfers, uh, one of my favorite authors. He's a, a teacher, a professor down at Dallas Theological Seminary, uh, written many books on uh, church leadership, uh, just a great guy. He says here, a vision is a clear, challenging picture of the future, of the ministry as you believe that it can and must be. All right. It's a challenging look at the future for our ministry here at Fairmont you know, of, what it, of what we think it should be and also what it must be. That's what vision is. Vision is not necessarily your purpose. It is the expression of that purpose. How you're going to fulfill that purpose. I'll, I'll, we're going to be jumping all over the Bible. We're also going to be jumping all over the bulletin as well. Uh, for some of us, we, we haven't looked at this in a long time. Uh, I've given it some pretty careful research. This is a great purpose for our church. I don't know if you've read that lately, but I put it in there. Um, we have a threefold purpose here at Fairmont Baptist. Um, number one, worship the holy God in spirit and in truth. We, we put that uh, on uh, the fronts of our bulletins, on our website, on everything. That, that's our, our mission statement, is to worship God in spirit and in truth. Uh, and we, we call that unconditional praise. Praise God without any conditions as He has provided all our needs in love. That's what we've been doing this morning. Uh, worshiping the Lord um, because of what He's done, because of His faithfulness, and without any conditions for Him to do something else. All right, we... we Worship Him for who He is. 
Number two, extend God's kingdom through a loving and caring church body. And we call this unconditional love. Love each other without any conditions, just as God loves us without any conditions. So you and me, our relationship is to be close uh, with the person sitting next to you in the pew, the person sitting a couple rows away from you. You should be close. We're a family. Uh, there should be unconditional love between us as believers. That's in our purpose. Number three, extend God's kingdom through evangelism and discipleship. We call that unconditional outreach. Reaching out to the lost must not be conditioned by our self-righteousness, but through unconditional or through the unconditional love of Christ. So we see here that it's upward, right? We're worshiping the Lord, that it's uh, horizontal, right? That we are uh, uh, loving each other, and then it's also outward, right? That we are reaching out to the community with the gospel, telling them about Jesus, and doing so without uh, judging or um, belittling of them, because just as we've talked about in Ephesians chapter 2, we were just like them. Uh, so it, it is that, that famous saying of a beggar trying to tell another beggar where to find food. That's, that's what evangelism is. Now this, this purpose is great. Uh, and like I said, maybe some of us haven't looked at that in a while. But really the question becomes, all right, we have this purpose. How do we do this? What can we do to fulfill our purpose? And that's what we'll be talking about this morning. We'll be talking about vision. It is, like I said, looking forward to the future. Uh, to, um, to understand how our purpose looks. How it reacts to where we're at. It's the future of our ministry. It is vastly important. On the back of your bulletins I have here. Vision is how one accomplishes a goal. For our church, vision is how we accomplish our purpose. So this is not uh, what we're going to be talking about this morning. This is not going to be printed in our constitution or in our bylaws or anything like that. But you will see it around. We'll have banners and things like that. You will hear me talk about this quite a bit. This is for 2017. This is what we as a church need to be about in order to fulfill our purpose. To, to help you understand, there's a, a famous story. Uh, you guys know I, I like uh, uh, movies, and one of my favorite guys growing up was Disney. I grew up watching all the Disney films, all the animations. Uh, Walt Disney was an amazing man, but one of my fa uh, favorite stories about him was actually after he passed away. Uh, you know, they built Disneyland, and then they went over to Florida to build Disney World. Uh, and that wasn't fulfilled, it wasn't uh, finished until after Disney had died. Uh, this was in 1982 when they built the Epcot Center, which is at the middle there uh, in, in Disney World. Uh, like I said, Walt Disney had already passed away, and there was the, the ribbon-cutting ceremony. Uh, they, they got there, all the executives are there, Mrs. Disney is there, and they're, they're getting ready to cut this thing open, to get it open to the public, and uh, someone went over to Mrs. Disney and said, wow, this is fantastic, 
I wish Walt could have been here to see it. And she looked at him and said, he did. Right? Obviously he wasn't there, but in the past he had thought about it so much. He had a purpose. He wanted to make children happy. Also as a business, he wanted to make money. And so as he was thinking of how do we do this, his vision was for this building, for this uh, amusement park. And so he saw it. He saw it. And so when it came to fruition, in a way, he did see uh, the, the finishing of that project. Uh, that, that's what we're talking about this morning. The purpose that we have. How do we see that coming to fruition? How do we see that in the future? How does it, what does it look like? Well, uh, I've, I've already shared with it, uh, with you guys quite a bit about uh, this idea over the last couple weeks. Uh, you, you've heard me say this. Our vision for 2017 for Fairmont Baptist is to be a doctrine church. It's to be a family church and to be a neighborhood church. This is what we must look like in order to fulfill our purpose. Uh, the first being that doctrine church. Like I said, we'll be in Titus chapter 1 to begin with. And we'll be jumping all over the place. But in Titus chapter 1, I'll read again just verse 9. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. He's talking about elders. All right, so your pastor, he needs to be doing this. He needs to hold fast to the word as taught. Who taught him? Well, he's talking to Titus and elders. So he's really, it comes back to Paul being the teacher. Uh, and so he, he must hold fast to the word that he was taught, to the, to the truths that Paul had uh, laid down for Titus and for others. All right? uh, he must hold fast to that as taught with the purpose of that he may be able to give instruction. Instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So me, as a pastor... I need to give you instruction. And not just mine. Right, this is not when Dean gets up into the pulpit, it's not you know, all, all about Dean. It should be nothing about Dean. It's, it should be about what? What kind of instruction? Well, what he must hold fast to the truth that he was taught and give sound instruction. To who? To you. Because you need it. Because I need it. Christians need sound doctrine. What do I mean by sound? I mean correct. There is right and there is wrong. And we must know the difference when it comes to God's word. Now doctrine, uh, people don't like to talk about it. Right? Uh, another word to use for that is theology. We don't want to talk about doctrine or theology because those are hard subjects, right? Um, you might you might even have heard it said, uh, "I don't need doctrine; I have Jesus." Right? There, there's a pastor. I think I shared this a while back too. But there's a pastor. Uh, maybe you know anyone know Andy Stanley? Big guy. Uh, I used to listen to his leadership podcast. Uh, great, great stuff about leadership. Uh, but a couple weeks ago, he got up and was talking about how. Christians need to stop saying the Bible tells me so and instead focus on the resurrection. Now, that might sound good, right? Because you're focusing on the resurrection 
And so you're thinking of Jesus, right? But there are big problems with this kind of thinking. How do you know about the resurrection? Were you there? I wasn't. How do you know? How, How do you know Jesus? If you say, I don't need theology, I have Jesus. How do you know about Jesus? Again, were you there? Do you have you seen him? Has he talked with you? Probably not. How do you know? How do you know this Jesus is someone to worship? How do you know he's not like uh, like we talked about a couple weeks ago with C.S. Lewis? He's either uh, a lunatic, a liar, or a savior. How do you know he's not the lunatic or liar? Theology. How do we know what is right for our church to believe? If we were to go outside and we would walk around just a couple blocks, you would see, I believe, five different churches. How are we separate from them? Should we go to these other churches? <laughs> well, you, you're, you might say, no, obviously not. I wouldn't go over there. Why? Theology. Doctrine. There are differences. And we need to be very clear about what those differences are. We have to know it. We have to study it. Here he says to give instruction. So we know what to do. And also he says to rebuke those who contradict it. You know, uh, we need to be careful about what's out there, but more importantly, we need to focus in on the truth. All right, uh, my dad was always telling me growing up, because I've always been, uh, I won't say a scholar, but I love to read. Uh, you, you see my books in there. Uh, I used to have over a thousand. All right, so I've, I've narrowed it down. Uh, I've always been a big reader. Uh, and my dad was always saying, why are you reading that? Because uh, I'm reading some uh, megachurch pastor who's kind of messed up in their theology because I want to know uh, what's wrong with his theology. My dad always told me, and it was a wise thing, uh, how do you know what a counterfeit is? In, in a bank, you know, when, the, when you go through the training, what do they do? Sure, they might show you a couple different uh, examples of counterfeits, but what the real focus in on, uh, what they really focus in on, is what a real dollar bill looks like. And that way, when you know what the real thing is, when you see a counterfeit come in, you can immediately recognize it. That's what we need to do with doctrine. We need to know it so that when false theology, another word that we've used in history to talk about false theology, it's not just bad teaching. This word might sound severe, but it's what it is, is heresy. When heresy comes in the door, and it does, look at the book of Jude, it crept in unnoticed into the church. If we are not noticing, it could do the same here at Fairmont. All right? what, what do we do? Well, we need to study good, sound doctrine so that when that bad theology, when that heresy comes in, we can say, that is wrong. And not just say that is wrong, but also say, this is why. I, I've heard a lot about prosperity gospel preachers the last couple months. Why are we struggling with that? 
We should know the truth. So this year, what are we going to do about that? We need to focus in on doctrine. Now, just in case you were wondering, oh man, does this mean we're going to have like theology class and uh, Pastor Dean's going to lecture at us with these huge words that uh, I don't know what he's talking about? No. Because good theology uh, doesn't just stay in your mind. It's not just facts. Just like the gospel. It's not just facts. It has to reach into your heart. It has to have an impact on you. Uh, this, this quote, uh, it's in, in the back of your bulletins there. Fairmont will be a doctrine church, number one. And then it says, good doctrine always has a practical effect. Now that sounds great, but it's not from me. That's from Francis Schaeffer in a, a Christian Manifesto. A great classic work. All right, but he, he said this, good doctrine has a practical effect. It doesn't just stay in your mind. It affects how you live. All right, so things like God's holiness, that is theology. But if you really believe that, then it will affect your living. We see that. John 17, verse 17. Let's quickly turn there. John 17, verse 17. Bear with me this morning. You, well, there'll be a lot of silent moments of turning to passages. But John chapter 17, looking at verse 17. This is Jesus talking. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. This is Jesus praying the, the high priestly prayer. He's looking at his disciples and he's praying for them. He's talking to God the Father. He says, sanctify them in what? Your truth. Doctrine. Doctrine sanctifies us. Like I said, if you really believe in the holiness of God, then it will affect what you do in your life. If you've been saved by that holy God, you will turn from sin. You will feel guilt when you sin because you serve a holy God. Theology, good doctrine, always has a practical effect. We see it in uh, 1 Corinthians 1. We won't turn there. But this is where, um, this is where the, all these disciples are talking about how uh, oh, I'm from Apollos. I'm from Paul. I'm, and even some were being so bold to say, uh, trump card, I'm with Jesus. <laughs> All right? Uh, they, they were arguing. And that, that bad doctrine, that's what that is, was having effect of disunity. And so Paul comes in and says, no, enough of that. You are all in Christ. You are united. So here we have another practical effect of good doctrine. It unites us. You can go through the list. There are many different examples that we can look to and say, this is the effect of good doctrine. But there's also some dangers. Let's turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Looking at verse 2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. What does that sound like? 
doctrine. Good, sound, biblical doctrine. So, why should we do this? Why should we focus in on good doctrine, Timothy? For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine. They won't listen to it. It is happening. We see it in uh, even our context right now. Uh, Why are some churches growing so much? Because they're not listening to sound doctrine. Because there's false teaching there and they're ignoring it. And so people hear that and they want to be a part of that. That is a simple fact. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound uh, teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. That sounds like today, doesn't it? This was written 2,000 years ago. All right. The Word of God is very practical. All right. So they won't want to hear sound doctrine, so they'll go and find someone else, find some, some teacher that will tell them what they want to hear. All right. We, we see that today. Verse 4, and we'll turn away. This is the impact, this is the danger of not listening to sound doctrine, of not focusing in on good doctrine will turn away from listening to the truth. That's God's word. This is where if you do not focus on good, sound doctrine, if you're not lining up what I'm saying with God's word, with what you're listening to through the week, if you're not uh, examining that through the lens of scriptures, then you will eventually go away from the word of God. Might not happen right off the bat, but it will happen. God's word always is true. Amen? And that's what it says right here. They will wander away. It says, wander off into myths. That's the end of uh, verse 4. They will wander off into myths. What are myths? Well, it's false teaching that's out there, it's different religions. The biggest need that we have in the church. You know, we we talk about the missing generation, right, Uh, of uh, teens and college age. The reason why uh, they are missing in not not just our church, I'm talking about the church in general, in the world, right? We talk about them a lot. Why have they fallen away? Doctrine. We need to be so careful. We could be easily led astray. If we do not have this focus and we cannot accomplish our purpose unless we are a doctrine church, a church that focuses in on God's word and let that be the authority for everything that we do. And I do mean everything. First Timothy six talks about how, uh, Someone who does not listen to sound doctrine can be filled with pride and with vanity. Uh, vanity is emptiness. That, that is an effect that bad doctrine can have. It is a danger of not being a doctrine church. So, what will we do? What will we do about that? All right, we, we know that there is biblical precedent for this. We know that there are dangers if we do not do this. So what do we do? Well, my preaching um, and your listening, we need to make sure that it fits through 
this book, that it's all about this book. Because this book is all about Jesus. Amen? Our, Our Bible studies that we have, we need to make sure that they are doctrinally correct. Some people think I'm a, I'm a little bit of a stickler. Maybe I am. But we need to make sure everything that we do at Fairmont Baptist is doctrinally correct. What's another thing that we will do is next week, we're starting Sunday school. I'm very excited about it. Uh, all right, But that... Sunday school, that uh, 9.30 to about 10.15 is where we're going to be ending downstairs. What that is about is doctrine. And like I said, this isn't just some kind of uh, like a, uh, superfluous, just up there kind of idea of theology. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about good doctrine that has a practical effect. That's what Sunday school is about. It's another way for us to focus in on doctrine so that we can use that doctrine and know that doctrine and let it have an impact in our lives. So next week, we'll start with spiritual disciplines. That is good doctrine. It, It helps us to know how we are to live as Christians. What are the practical things that we can do to practice holiness and righteousness? So I'm excited about that. That is one thing that we will do Uh, This year, as we focus in on becoming a doctrine church. Secondly, in order to fulfill our purpose, we see it number two, unconditional love. How can we have unconditional love for one another? Well, by being a family. So number two, a family church. Fairmont Baptist will be a family church. There's biblical precedent for this. We won't turn there, but Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. This is after Peter and the apostles, they preach and the founding of the church and people are getting saved. Uh, what, what do they do? They don't just say, all right, that's great. We're Christians. See you on Sunday. And head off. No. They sold everything they had. Everything they had and they joined it together. They were a family. Now, I'm not saying that here at Fairmont Baptist that we go out and sell all our cars and our houses and we just live in the church. It's not what I'm talking about. It's not socialism. All right. But I am saying that there is a close bond that we need to have with one another. That church isn't just on Sundays. This is in your notes. Church is not a social club. This might be a thing that you've heard many times, but it's a deep truth. Church is not a social club, but a deep bond between Christians with the purpose of helping and loving one another. Church is not a social club, but a deep bond between Christians with the purpose of helping and loving one another. Church is not a place that you go to. It's who you are. It's who you are with other believers. It is that bond. Hebrews 10, verse 25. Let's turn there. Hebrews 10, verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, 
but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's get together. How can you have that deep bond with someone that you don't know? Well, sure, there is that common uh, bond that we have with Christians. You can go anywhere around the world and meet someone who's a Christian and there's some kind of connection there. You feel feel a friendliness. Uh, I'm sure many of you have felt that. Right? But how do you really be a family? you got to know one another. you got to be with one another. Not neglecting to meet together. This is the habit of some. Some people were not getting together. They just weren't doing it. But he gives us a purpose here. Why do we meet together? To encourage one another. Even more as we see the day drawing near, as we look to the future. We are to be together. We are to encourage one another. First uh, John 4, verses 11 through 13. Uh, you, you probably know this passage, so we won't turn there. All right, but this passage is talking about if you are a believer, how can you tell? By the love you have for one another. How can people tell that Fairmont Baptist is a church? It's not just the building. It's because we love one another. Because we encourage one another. The dangers of not being a family church. We see that there's biblical precedent for it. But what happens if we are not acting as a family? Well, first you will rob yourself of being encouraged. You are doing yourself a disservice if you cut yourself off from the family of God. If you're saying, oh man, I don't want to go downstairs after potluck, uh, and maybe not just that, but I don't, I don't want to go to those Bible studies. It's kind of awkward. I don't know. If you cut yourself off, you are robbing yourself of being encouraged in the faith, of being pushed along, of having accountability so you can conquer sin. We all need that accountability. I need that accountability. You rob yourself of being encouraged. You also rob others. You will rob others of your spiritual gifts. Of you encouraging them. If you cut yourself off, if you say, yes, I go to church, but it's just on Sunday. I don't want to go to these things. I don't want to be around everybody. I'm, you know, I'm here on Sunday and then I'm out the door and i got stuff to do. You rob yourself of being encouraged and you rob others of being encouraged by you. We all have a gift. At least one. Some of us have more. Right? That gift that you have was given to you by God to use for the building up of the body. Your brothers and sisters, even in this room. That's why you have been spiritually gifted. We all have a purpose in this church. We have a purpose. We know what Paul talks about, that we are all members of the same body. Some of us are ears, some of us are eyes, some of us are toes. We are all members of the same body. Each one of us has a purpose. If your big toe went missing, you would not be able to walk. You might think, oh, that's a small thing. But then you wouldn't be able to walk. If you cut yourself off, maybe we won't be able to walk. There are dangers. So what will we do to act on this vision? 
to be a family church, what can we do? Well, in the spring, we'll be starting a new ministry. Uh, it's supper groups. There will, there will be uh, a sign-up list that we will all put our names on. I'm hoping that all of us will. And then we will be grouped together in families of two or three, depending on how big this list is. And over the course of maybe a month, maybe two, we haven't worked everything quite out yet, uh, you will meet together. Uh, once a month, and, or uh, once every couple weeks, until you have each been in each other's houses. Uh, that's the thing. If these two, three families, they'll, they'll all get together in one of those person's houses. And you'll get to know one another. Not just on Sunday, where everybody's rushing and they have different things to do, but in your home. So we can truly know one another. So we can build those relationships to be a family. Sure, a lot of those relationships are already there. But I can say for myself even, I don't know you guys all that well. I want to get to know you better. And even the people that you know very well, most likely you won't be grouped with them. I'll have a little bit of a say in that. All right, But even those people, you can know them better. That's one way we will do this. Of we will act out our purpose of unconditional love for one another in being a family. Uh, other ways we do this is uh, through potlucks, through uh, different events of getting together, of just being with one another and building those bonds. Number three, Fairmont Baptist will be a neighborhood church. What do I mean by that? Let's turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked, uh, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They didn't know what was happening. Verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Where at? In Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, to the end of the earth. This was the founding of the church. This was where they were supposed to go. Where do we start, Jesus? Right where you're at. Right there, in your home. For the disciples, it was in their neighborhoods. That's where they were to start evangelizing. So how do we fulfill our purpose of unconditional outreach? We start right here in this neighborhood where our church is. Put a little bit of a stat on there. This isn't the biblical precedent part. All right, we, we look at it and we see that in the apostles and starting in Jerusalem, then spreading out to Judea, then to Samaria, and then to the end of the earth. All right, there was a specific plan that Jesus put in motion there. All right, but the stat, it's interesting. I did a lot of research over the last couple months. This isn't something I thought of just the other day. All right, but... Uh, the stat, 
60% of church attenders will travel 10 minutes or less to their church. 83% drive 15 minutes or less. That's a big stat. 60% of church attendance comes from 10 minutes or less. What I'm saying is there's no better opportunity for us to minister than right here. Than right in this neighborhood. That do not know us. And we've started that. Right? Uh, a couple weeks ago, we got together and we got those Christmas gifts and we put them all together. And it was a great time of fellowship and putting them together and then going out and reaching out to the community and saying, hey, we're Fairmont Baptists, just want to say Merry Christmas, here's a gift. We started the conversation with our neighborhood. And we will continue to do that. So that people across the street, down the street, up the block, they know who we are. And they know that we are a doctrine church. And they know that we are a family church. And they know that we care about this neighborhood and this community. A couple couple months ago, I, I was talking to my seminary professor, uh, or my seminary president, sorry, uh, Dr. Charles Pettit. I was Skyping with him uh, about the possibility of going up here and my vision uh, for Canada. I don't say this to boast, but I have a big vision uh, for Western Canada. There was a reason why I wanted and I feel like the Lord had put it in my heart to come up here. I have a big vision to reach Canada with the gospel. If he could use men like flawed men like Charles Spurgeon and, and others, why not us? But when I was talking with him about that, he, he reminded me, that's great. But you got to start small. You got to start where you're at. And that's what we're doing. We must be smart in how we reach out with the gospel. And here is our best possibility. Our best opportunity is in this neighborhood of reaching those with the gospel. We need to focus on where we're at. Now the dangers. The dangers of not being a neighborhood church. First, we are not reaching out. If we are not reaching out in some way to the community, then we are disobeying God. I've said it many times, the Great Commission. Commission means job. We have one job that we've been given by Jesus. And that is to reach out and make disciples. If we are not doing that, that is a command, then what are we doing? We're disobeying. And if we are disobeying, what are we doing? That's sin. We need to be reaching out. I believe that we must first reach when we must first reach this neighborhood before we can reach the city, before we can reach the province, before we can reach Western Canada. And who knows what the Lord will do? I'm not saying that this is going to be some huge movement because I had an idea in my office. It's not what I'm saying. I am saying that we will strive to be used by God. And again, if he could use fill-in-the-blank church, why not Fairmont Baptist? Why not? 
If he could use Esther to do what she did. Simple girl. Why not our church? So what will we do to act on this? To fulfill our purpose of unconditional outreach in being a neighborhood church, what will we do? Well, we will continue to do our event-based ministries. We will go out into this neighborhood, uh, just like we did with those Christmas presents. We will do things like that. We will build up. We will, we will invest in this neighborhood. We will do things like Vacation Bible School. We're, we will be doing that this year of reaching out to this neighborhood and showing them that we love their kids and we want them to have fun, but also, more importantly, to hear the gospel. We want to have a reputation of love and generosity in this neighborhood. And that may lead to people being more receptive to what we have to say about Jesus Christ. may lead to them coming in and knowing that this is a safe place, knowing that we care about them, and them coming in and receiving the gospel. This is our vision. This is how we fulfill our purpose. Being a doctrine church, being a family church, being a neighborhood church. These ministries, and they may change, you know, uh, I, I was in a church one time that they were talking about how Awana wasn't working. And so they, they were talking about changing it up. And people were like, but it's Awana. We are not tied to any ministry. We are tied to our purpose. So things might change, but this is what we are doing this year to try to reach out. Try to be an active and loving and biblically sound church. So the question is, what is each one of us going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? We cannot do these things. We cannot fulfill our purpose unless you're on board. Unless all of us together as one body are on board with this vision so that we can accomplish our purpose. To be a doctrine church, a family church, and a neighborhood church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for uh, this time that we could be together, even gathered around your word. Uh, Lord, I know that we skipped all over the place, but there is biblical truth here. Uh, I pray that you would help us to, to be on board, to be on mission, that we would be an active and loving and faithful church this year. Lord, we know that we need you to do this. Uh, this is not by any of our power that we can have an impact. Lord, we need you. I, I pray that you be with us, Lord. Today, and into tomorrow, and through the rest of this year, as we strive to be used by you. Lord, I've heard it so many times in this church that we, we want to grow, we want to we want to be used by you to have a big impact in Saskatoon. 
Lord, the only way that we could do that is by surrendering to you. Lord, of focusing in on your doctrine found in your word. Of loving each other unconditionally. Of being a family. And reaching out in love to this neighborhood. I, I pray that you would be with us, Lord. Convict us where we need to be convicted. Lord, if there are things in our lives that we need to change in order to be used by you, remove those things. Help us to repent. Lord, if we are not truly loving one another, if that is in our heart, change us. Lord, if we get bored by your word, convict us. Lord, if we are not loving those outside of these walls, change us. I pray that you would be with us in 2017 so we could accomplish this purpose that is biblical that you want us to do, that you have commanded us to do. Lord, we lay it before you. And we only ask that you would help us to be faithful. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.